When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Saturday Slammin' Jam, hosted by Andrew Schlicht with Alex Spears. How about we can just watch basketball? That's a man's jam! I like that idea. Live from Oklahoma. Click, click. With questions and participants from all around the world. That out of poster. Whether you're flipping your flapjacks, tending to your yard, or just sipping your coffee, get ready, sit back, relax. It's the Saturday Slammin' Jam. Back is, I missed this shot, I'll walk away, I'm still a chump. Here's Andrew. Welcome to the Saturday Slam and Jam. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. Go to theathletic.com slash NBA show and get the athletic for a discounted rate. Al, so much good stuff has happened in the NBA, so please tell me all about it. Well, Andrew, it all started last Friday night when the Knicks continued what has been one of their hottest streaks in recent franchise history, beating the Heat in Miami 122-120. The game came down to the final shot. Julius Randle, who scored 43 in the game, almost lost the ball, but recovered and hit a three while falling sideways out of bounds with only .7 seconds remaining on the clock. It was the Knicks' eighth straight win, and they would make it nine after beating the Celtics in Boston in double overtime just two days later. Now, the streak eventually did end at nine, but that was the eighth longest winning streak in New York Knicks franchise history. The run has helped New York escape the play-in for the time being, sitting in fifth and three and a half games up on the seventh-seeded Heat. Also on Friday, some stuff happened in Memphis, which we will get to later. On Saturday, it was the Sixers' best win of the season. The Sixers traveled to Milwaukee to face a Bucks team that had won 16 games in a row. Despite being down 18 with three minutes left in the third quarter, Philly had cut it to one by the nine-minute mark of the fourth. Down the stretch, it was a lot of James Harden who finished the game with a stat line of 38, 9, and 10. But the biggest shot of the game was from Joel Embiid, who hit a go-ahead three from the top of the key with 42 seconds left. Now, after a couple frustrating losses for the Sixers last week, they have now won three in a row and nine of their last 12. They remain solidly in third in the East, two and a half games ahead of the Cavs in fourth. On Sunday, Andrew, we got a marquee matchup between the Suns and Mavs in Dallas. KD and Devin Booker combined for 73 of the Suns' 130 points en route to a four-point win over the Mavs. KD was brilliant in the game, scoring his 37 points on only 17 shots, which included the go-ahead shot with 12 seconds left, a classic KD mid-range jumper over the defense. For the Mavericks, they continue to look for consistency, especially on the defensive end, as they fall to only 3-7 in their last 10 games. That stretch has dropped them to 34-33, 8th in the West, and a game and a half up on the Lakers. The Mavs now enter a stretch with 9 of their next 12 games on the road, and possibly without Luka for a few after he injured his thigh later in the week. On Monday... The Boston Celtics continued their late-season trend of losing incredibly close games. <laughs> so painful. So painful. After losing to the Knicks in double overtime on Sunday, which I mentioned, they lost in overtime to the Cavs on the second night of a back-to-back. Four of Boston's last ten games have gone to overtime, and one of the games that didn't in that stretch was the game against Philly when Embiid's final heave to tie it up was a split second late. 
In this game, the Celtics had a chance to end it in regulation when Grant Williams stepped to the line with the game tied at 109 and 0.8 seconds left. Cameras caught Donovan Mitchell and Williams jawing at each other, and you could see Williams say to Mitchell, I'm going to make both. Hopefully he wasn't referring to the free throws he was about to shoot because he missed both, which allowed Donovan Mitchell, who scored 40 in the game, to get the win in overtime. On Tuesday, the Lakers got a much-needed win without LeBron, beating the Grizzlies at home 112-103. Things were looking a little bleak for the Lakers when it was announced LeBron would miss at least the next three weeks after injuring his foot in a game against the Mavs. But in the five games since, the Lakers have gone a respectable 3-2, led by Anthony Davis, who is averaging 34 points and 13.5 rebounds per game since LeBron's injury. While 3-2 might not sound that exciting, it's been enough to get the Lakers up to the ninth spot in the West with 16 games remaining. And those 16 games, it's a pretty favorable schedule the rest of the way. Nine of those 16 are at home, and two of the seven road games are in Houston. On Wednesday, it was Kevin Durant's home debut for the Phoenix Suns. While the game ended in a 31-point blowout win for the Suns over the Thunder, it was not because of KD. Unfortunately, Durant yeah. slipped and twisted his ankle during the pregame warm-up. He was ruled out of the game and will be ruled out for several more as he is not expected to be reevaluated for two weeks. The Suns continue their climb up the standings, however, having won four in a row, but this next stretch without KD could be a bit challenging. Next three games are against the Kings, the Warriors on the road, and the Milwaukee Bucks. And finally, on Thursday, we got another classic Kings home game, this time against the previously streaking Knicks. The Kings are completely unable to play boring basketball games, and this was no different. It came down to the final minute with no play bigger than a De'Aaron Fox driving layup where he blew by Josh Hart and met Isaiah Hartenstein at the rim, giving the Kings a four-point lead with 26 seconds to go. Fox finished with 23-7, while Demonis Sabonis posted a 24-point triple-double. The Kings have won 10 of 13 and are now the number two seed in the West. What a week it was, Andrew. What a week, indeed. The season is is wrapping up, and I thought I would dig into some shooting stats uh, as we kind of close this season down a little bit. Uh, And here are five shooting stats that you may or may not know. Number one, did you know that DeAndre Ayton is the best finisher at the rim in the NBA this year? Really? What's he shooting? Of players taking at least five shots in the restricted area, Aiton is the best, shooting 78.7% in the restricted area this season. Wow. That's just insane. The worst shooting at least five or more is Jalen Green, who is 54% in the restricted area this year. Now, I'm, it's hard to judge between Aiton and Green. It's a guard and it's a big. So let's let's compare him to other guards. John Morant, 60%. SGA, 63%. Anthony Edwards, 63%. Tatum and Brown are both shooting a very nice 69%. Uh, Jimmy Butler, 65%. Damian Lillard, 64%. Josh Giddy, 63%. Zach Levine, 66%. Even Russell Westbrook is 58% in the restricted area. So 54%. Hmm. Kind of a big yikes there for Jalen Green. Uh, Stat number two. Did you know that Al Horford is the best corner three-point shooter in the NBA this year? Honestly, it doesn't surprise me. Yeah. I didn't, fif- I didn't know it, but it doesn't surprise. Hey, 15 players in the league are shooting two or more corner threes per game, and Horford is the best, shooting 49% from the corners this season. It's pretty amazing. Uh, the worst, a former Celtic, a current Hornet, 
Terry Rozier is only shooting 30% from the corners and mm. taking two or more poor per game. Pretty bad. Pretty, pretty bad. Uh, next, the mid-range. We all know that Kevin Durant is the mid-range maestro. That's no secret at all. Get well soon, Kevin. But he is so far ahead of the pack with his efficiency in the mid-range. He's shooting 57.5% in the mid-range this season. It's absolutely breathtaking watching him just get to those pull-ups. Of the players taking three or more shots in the mid-range per game, and Kevin's taking seven, by the way, the closest percentage is his own teammate, Devin Booker, who's shooting 48%. That's nine percentage points better. That's like a <laughs> galaxy apart in efficiency. That is wild. The The worst mid-range shooter in the NBA, you know who it is? That's shooting at least three mid-range jumpers per game? Um... I don't know. Giannis. Is it Dylan Brooks? <laughs> no, it's not Dylan Brooks. No, no, no. Poor Dylan Brooks. We don't need to pile on them. Not, we don't need to pile on the Grizzlies during the segment. Giannis Antetokounmpo is taking 30. He's taking three or more, and he's shooting 36%. Kevin Durant is shooting 21% better in the mid-range than Giannis. Wow. That's roughly two galaxies apart. Two galaxies. In efficiency. Wow. It's insane. Wild. Get well soon, Kevin. We, we need Kevin. more Kevin Durant in the NBA. Uh, what about catch and shoot, Al? Who's the best catch and shoot guy in the league? Uh, it's got to be my guy, Isaiah Joe. It is not Isaiah Joe. Oh, okay. It is Michael Porter Jr. Ooh. Of the players taking at least five catch and shoot threes, there are 30 of those guys taking at least five catch and shoot shots per game. He's shooting 46% on catch and shoots this season, Damn. which is just, just wild. The worst, another junior. A Kelly Oubre Jr., who's shooting oh, 30- Tsunami Poppy. Tsunami Poppy shooting 32% on catch and shoot shots this season. Uh, and that's of players taking five or more. Pretty, pretty brutal and pretty impressive stuff from MPJ, who I'd, I don't feel like has gotten a ton of coverage this year no, from a lot of people, all. but is having an outstanding season and is, a, and is one of the big reasons why they're having so much success. And he provides so much spacing. He's been uh, unbelievable. Uh, okay, last one. What about a pull-up J? What about a little Jimbo here? Let's separate these into twos and threes. So from two, it's easily Kevin Durant, right? Kevin Durant. He's, Kevin a, Durant, yeah. he's great. Once he gets to that pull-up around the free throw line, it's money. He's shooting 60% on pull-up twos. 60%. The worst pull-up shooter in the league that's taking at least four pull-ups per game. There's two guys. It's Tyler Hero and Paolo Bancaro are both shooting 39% on mm. their pull-up Js. From two. That's 21% less than Kevin Durant. Get well soon, KD. I just can't, I just can't get over some of these stats from Kevin. They're just unbelievable. Uh and then I, I have a guess oh, yeah. for three. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Is it is it's so you're saying the best pull-up shooter best from pull three? Best pull-up from three. Yeah. Best pull-up J from three. It's gotta be Dame. Is it Dame? Oh no. Oh, oh no. 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 Don't think as hard. Don't think too hard. Don't think too hard? Oh, I, my, it's got to be my guy, Isaiah Joe. No, 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 Al. No. Don't, you're, no, that's thinking way too hard. It's Steph Curry. Oh, but yeah. Okay, all right. The thing about Steph is that his greatness is on full display this season. He's shooting 47.7% on pull-up threes. Wow. That is wild. So the next best player 
in pull-up threes, taking four or more pull-up threes. That's a that's where I made the cutoff. It's like, okay, you're taking quite a bit. Like you're taking a lot of pull-up threes. The next best is Tyrese Halliburton, who's shooting 40% on pull-up threes. Wow, that's super impressive. That's 7.7% better than the next best. I mean, this is a gulf. This is the Grand Canyon, like, away from each other. It is it is insane. Uh, okay, the worst pull-up shooter taking at least four pull-up threes or more in the NBA this year is Boston's own. Jason Tatum, who's shooting really? 20, 29% on pull-up threes this Ooh. season. That's a bi- that's a big yikes. And listen, just just the fact I I think that we overlook Steph so much as just like how great he can be. But like that number to me, that blew me away. This, you know, whenever I looked it up, it just absolutely blew me away that Steph is just still that much better and that much further ahead than everybody else. I mean, he truly is the greatest shooter ever and is having a crazy season. Well, and that's a great lead in to what I'm going to talk about, which I will eventually get to because the Warriors have been one of the more bizarre teams this season because of things like that. Like Steph is having a arguably a career year this year and they just haven't been able to figure it out. But I want to start by talking about the Kings because the Kings are good. Andrew, every game is fun. They've mm-hmm. taken the challenge of making the playoffs for the first time in 16 years and turned it into the most entertaining show in the league. The drama with this team isn't even about whether they'll make the playoffs or not at this point. The drama is the games themselves, which are some of the best television I've watched this year. And so with the playoffs now a reality, it's hard not to start thinking ahead with this team. Like, I'm staring at these standings each <laughs> night this week, and you start to realize there's a very realistic scenario where the Kings could avoid both the Suns and the Nuggets until the conference finals. And you factor in what's going on in Memphis, and all of a sudden the fun Kings story could end up being something a lot bigger. So I'm thinking about this scenario. I'm thinking, okay, there's a reasonable chance they could avoid the Suns. They could avoid the Nuggets. Maybe they avoid the Warriors. That was the third team I thought of. I'm thinking, okay, it'd probably be nice to avoid the Warriors. But let's talk about the Golden State Warriors, and specifically the Golden State Warriors on the road where they transform into one of the more bizarre teams to watch this season. I watched two Warriors road games this week, a loss in OKC and a loss in Memphis. Those were the seventh and eighth straight losses for the Warriors on the road. The Warriors have not won a road game in 38 days. They are 7-26 and on the road, which is tied with the Detroit Pistons for the third fewest road wins this season. Again, on the road, the Warriors have the same record as a team that currently has 15 total wins. Now, you can make some excuses. Uh, Steph just recently came back from an extended absence. Andrew Wiggins has missed the last nine games for personal reasons. GP2 is out. They can't play two-way player Anthony Lamb because he's reached his 50-game limit, which means they have to convert him to a full contract, which they can't do until March 13th because they don't currently have an open roster spot. And if you're wondering, wow, has it really gotten to the point where the defending champions sort of need two-way player Anthony Lamb? Yeah, kind of. It kind of has gotten to that point. (laughs) Even with those excuses, even in games where Steph Curry has played, the guy averaging 36-6 and six on 50-40-90 shooting, the Warriors are still only 5-16 and 16 on the road in games in which Steph played. Wow. Now, I've been following the Warriors, Warriors road struggles throughout the season. 
But mm-hmm. as the road record continues to get worse and we get closer to the playoffs, it's gotten to the point where it's moved beyond like a funny little quirk of the season. Now right. I'm staring at this road record wondering, has any playoff team ever been this bad on the road? To answer that question, Andrew, I went back through every team that made the playoffs in the last two decades, 160 teams in total. I looked at their road record to figure out, one, have teams with really bad road records made the playoffs before? And two, how did they do once they got there? Now, I chose 16 road wins as a cutoff. That's going 16-25 and 25 on the road in an 82-game season, winning fewer than 40% of your road games. So, for example, there have been 18 teams to win the equivalent of 16 road games over the past two decades. Of those 18 teams, once they got to the playoffs, 11 were knocked out in round one, five were knocked out in round two, one, the 2021 Atlanta Hawks, made it all the way to the conference finals, and one more, the 2003 Nets, made it all the way to the finals. The 2003 Nets were the second seed in the East, and their road record was 16-25. and So all in all, going 16-25 and on the road isn't a complete death knell for your team's postseason chances. There's still some hope but you really want to win at least 16 road games because of the 24 playoff teams that won fewer than 16 road games in the regular season, only three of those 24 made it out of the first round and all three of those lost in the second round. The worst road record for a playoff team in the last 20 years was 12 and 29, a record shared by the, we believe warriors in 2007 and the much less memorable 2008 Atlanta Hawks. Don't really have any thoughts about them. So what does this all mean? Well, first, leaving aside the Warriors for a second, if you're a fan of a playoff team that is hoping to make some noise in the playoffs, you really want to get to 16 road wins. So for instance, if you're the Cavs, if you're a Cavs fan, if you're a Heat fan, that means going at least two and six in your remaining road games because both of those teams currently have 14 road wins. If you're a Mavericks fan, That means going at least four and five in your remaining road games to get to that 16 win number. And for Grizzlies fans like us, that means going 500 in your remaining road games because they currently only have 12 road wins. Wow. But what about the Warriors? Well, first of all, even if the Warriors won all eight of their remaining road games, that would only get them to 15 road wins. No playoff team with 15 or fewer road wins in the last two decades has gotten past the second round, and only three of the 24 have made it past the first round. But beyond that, let's assume the Warriors actually make the playoffs. They need to go at least five and three in their final eight road games to avoid having the worst road record of any playoff team in the last 20 years. Wow. Listen, I know it's nearly impossible to write off this Warriors team. It feels wrong, and you don't have to do it. I'm not asking I try, you. I, I tried to do it last week. Yeah, but a lot of people have tried, and then you and then you see them play a good game, and you're like, eh, well, maybe, they, maybe they'll be fine. I'm not asking you to write them off, but I do think it's worth putting into perspective just how unique it would be historically if this team does end up having success in this year's playoff because the Warriors on the road this season <laughs> – are terrible. They're like the worst. I mean, I'm assuming they're going to make the playoffs. Maybe they won't, but I'm assuming they're going to make the playoffs. That will be the worst road record of any team. Any team. Think of all the bad teams that have made the playoffs in the East, you know, during the 2000s. Yeah. This would be the worst road record of any of those teams. Yeah, that is wild. Uh, The the Warriors at home this year. They're incredible. Third third ranked defense in the league, 108.1. Only teams that are better are our Memphis Grizzlies and the Cleveland Cavaliers. On the road, do you know what they are this year? Their defense? Is it yeah. like down, is it like bottom 10? They're 28th. 
That's wild. An 11 point difference between the road and home. 119.3. 28. The only teams that are worse on the road than them are the Spurs and the Rockets. Those are the only two teams that are worse than them on the road. On the road, Detroit, better. Indiana, better. (laughs) Dallas, better. Portland, who's just been horrible on defense, better. I mean, that that is really atrocious. It's amazing. And And, and like, if you look at lineup data, you know, the Warriors starting unit is still far and away the best five-man lineup. Sure. Like, that's always going to exist. You can look at their home record. They're 27 and 7. Like, there are still so many reasons that make it hard to be completely out on this team. Especially mm-hmm. if, like, in your head you're thinking, okay, they're going to get Wiggins back. GP2 is going to come back for the playoffs. Like, everything's just going to fall into place. Maybe it will. But if it does fall into place, we'll look back on this season as, like, a historical anomaly if, yeah. if, if they are successful in the playoffs. Yeah. Speaking of historical anomalies, we're about to talk about the Memphis Grizzlies Ooh. right after this quick break. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? (laughs) You mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, Andrew, it is time for the Wheel of Fandom, our weekly segment where we spin a digital wheel, it lands on a team, and we become fans of that team for a week. And this week, the Wheel of Fandom landed on the Memphis Grizzlies. That's right, the wheel physically landed on the Grizzlies and crushed them. In no particular order, here's a list of things that happened to the Grizzlies this week. Dylan Brooks got his 16th technical of the season, forcing him to miss a game. Brandon Clark tore his Achilles tendon, ending his season and likely a large chunk of next season. Steven Adams missed his 19th consecutive game. And instead of good news about his imminent return, we learned that he would be out for at least another four weeks following a stem cell injection in his knee. And then Grizzly star Ja Morant streamed a video from a Colorado establishment called Shotgun Willies where he appeared to flash a gun. The video led to Morant stepping away from the team. Initially, it was reported that Ja would miss two games. A subsequent report said they would be at least an additional four games. Meanwhile, on the court, the Grizzlies went 1-3 and three this week, but ended the week on a nice note with a 21-point home win over the Golden State Warriors. The Grizz are 39-26, third in the West per cleaning the glass, they are 10th in offense, 2nd in defense. Andrew, if the Grizzlies are our favorite team, who is our guest? Oh, no. Oh, Keith. Keith Parrish from Fast Break Breakfast, The Daily Ding, and also the Grits and Grinds podcast. It's a podcast about the Memphis Grizzlies. Keith, are you okay? 
Thank you for asking, Andrew. Before I answer, <laughs> I would just like to say, screw you, Wheel of Fandom! <laughs> the, you shouldn't play with fate, guys. Haven't yeah. we learned? You don't leave anything up to fate. I'm, I'm doing as well as can be considered. I mean, you didn't even highlight the painful manner in which these three losses went down. Like, it's yeah, not just that's true. one and three. <laughs> All these it's like fourth they had, quarter leads. They had spectacular uh, <laughs> fourth quarter losses. You can cherry pick a stat, which I did. If you highlight the specific time frames in the fourth quarters of the three losses, they were outscored 70 to 17 oh, over like a 22-minute span. I'm taking exactly seven and a half minutes of each fourth quarter. <laughs> it was like 24 to 2 <laughs> against the Clippers. I can't remember what the Nuggets exact was. I mean, yeah, the Nuggets had like a 16 fourth quarter run. <laughs> The Lakers outscored the Grizzlies 24 to 9 to end the game. You know, everything was terrible. You, I I blacked out briefly when Ox was listing all the terrible things. Did you also say that Draymond Green released no. a very oh. painful podcast? Don't worry. It was just, just like wait. I, I just cut about to that. the quick of like yeah. everyone's <laughs> like like if the Grizzlies had not won yeah. against the Warriors on Thursday. Like I just released a Grits of Grinds episode where it was basically like if we hadn't won that game, just like Dylan Brooks, just like, can he show back up to work too? Are we yeah. going to be missing two guys who have to lead the <laughs> yeah. t- Like it was, but luckily they did and we're, we're not as um, at the nadir. I recorded an episode, you, you guys will appreciate this. I recorded an episode yesterday before the Warriors game. Yeah. That I didn't release. I was like, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> this is just because I was like, you guys remember when like four days ago, I was like, hey, this is the nadir. Yeah, right? I know. Things aren't know. great. It's going to get better. And then I was like, uh, emergency podcast update. This I, is the Nadir. I, listened, I don't think, I, I I don't think it's going to get worse. A day later, and I was like, oh, no, Keith. Oh, yeah. No. He's so hopeful. It's so well, sad. Yeah. I mean, like, like again, I, I didn't even release, like, the, the, the next follow-up to that one, where it's like, this is, you can't, because, like, there's no, I know we're getting into it now. Like, there's no silver lining no. To Brandon Clark being out for no. 12 months. Like there's a, there's been no, other years. I'm yeah. not ever asking for someone to get injured, but there's been other years where like when someone gets in foul trouble, I'm like, oh yeah, this is this is we get to play Brandon Clark now. Right. <laughs> you know, right. like exactly. like there's been times where I'm yeah. like, you know what? I would rather uh close some games with this guy over Jonas Valanciunas or whoever mm-hmm. it was in Grizzlies games past. There's no upside. Like th- there's no like, oh, now we get to play what? Like, I guess we can develop Roddy Moore, like no, we're trying. We wanted to win a title. We thought we, we thought we were one of the best, one of the best title contenders, like uh, a month and a half ago. And it's like we're not. Uh, we're now. It's yeah, everything's dead. So yeah. circling back, screw you, Wheel of Fandom. <laughs> it's, uh, let's start with Jaw. It's not been a good week for Grizzly star Jaw Morant. There's been a series of troubling stories going back to last summer that seemed to come to a breaking point this week, leading to his absence from the team. Considering everything that's happened this week, uh, what is the current mindset of the fan base? Has this week shaken your belief in the future of this team, or are you viewing this as more of like a blip? I think the I think it's so bizarre. The story is so bizarre and unexpected. Mm-hmm. Where it, it's it's hard as a fan to be like even comprehend it because I think I think the entire fan base if you ask them is John Morant going to play again this season we're all saying well yeah cuz I can't think of a time where a guy who was an all-star and leading a team that was going to have home court advantage in the playoffs 
had like an, an off the court thing and then took time away. And yeah. of course, there's so many questions we don't know about like what is actually going on behind the scenes as far as like the team instigated him probably leaving as like a form of punishment, although it's, it specifically is not a punishment. And then what's the league going to do? So right. like the mindset of the fan base is kind of like, I don't know. We're probably in a still in a denial and confusion and a blind optimism phase of like, you know, he's going to come back, but we don't actually know if he's going to come back as far as like affecting the long-term outlook for the Grizzlies. I guess personally it hasn't for me. I mean, like, the the loss of Brandon Clark next year, like that's a long term outlook type thing. But it's specifically sure. with John Morant and the core of having Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr., and John Morant, all of whom are incredible, um, all of whom are still extremely young. Uh, I don't think it it, it is uh, like a long term detractor or like it's not taking away our hope for like what what could be with this core. Yeah, you just like won't let yourself go there. Yeah, yeah, it's just like I don't know what to, again. I mean, it's like unprecedented to be like yeah. I mean, there's been NBA players who have gotten in trouble legally, and there's been NBA players who have done things they shouldn't have done with firearms and been punished mm-hmm. by the league. But they're, you know, like the the Gilbert Arenas thing that everyone keeps comparing or like throwing out or incorrectly being like a 50 game suspension. You're like, what? The Gilbert Arenas thing is way different <laughs> than what right. uh, yeah. the, the John yeah. Rand thing is. So we're still like, I guess we're also thinking like, well, he's gonna come back uh, at some point, even if the league does do something. Um, like we're assuming he's going to be back this season just because we don't know. We don't know specifically what Jaws going through and you know, what his mental health is like and, and where he's going to be prepared um, to play basketball or when he's going to be prepared to play basketball. And then once he is officially like I'm good enough to play, then will there still be punishment or suspension? And so, yeah, who knows? So you mentioned this earlier. This was a big week for fans of Dylan Brooks, Draymond Green beef because after yeah. Brooks expressed yeah. his dislike of Draymond and the Warriors, Draymond responded saying, among other things, if you ever wondered why Memphis is not ready to compete for a championship, look no further than this idiot right here. <laughs> They're actually depending on this guy to help them win a championship. And he says his game is cool. Quite frankly, that just shows how little you know about basketball. And yet you running around talking about dynasty. The dynasty starts after you. Not with you. Keith, do you think there is a kernel of truth in what Draymond said about Brooks, or do you think most Grizz fans consider Brooks a locked-in piece of this Grizzlies core moving forward and that they someone they should pay this summer, like absolutely pay this summer? Uh, to answer the second part of the question, no, there isn't a, like a consensus or a majority of, I think, Grizzlies fans who are like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, Dylan Brooks is definitely a piece. He's become... This season, he's become more of an acquired taste, um, mm-hmm. even than he was in previous seasons. <laughs> just he, he's—I mean, I don't know what you want to call it. He's had a—he's just—he's been shooting terribly, and he—he mm-hmm. he has loud, bad games. You know where he yes, like yeah. breaks a lot of shots, and he's a—he's a very inefficient player. But I've always maintained like he's an important piece to what the Grizzlies do, and you see it in the game on Thursday night against the Warriors. He guards Steph Curry, and then he also. At times, he'll have to guard, like he guarded Carl Anthony Towns in the series against uh, the Timberwolves last year, and he guards Zion Williamson particularly kind of well, and he like, he can guard everyone. He guards one through four. He guards the best player every single night on the other team, and most Grizzlies fans have trouble accepting this. Like he's right now playing a career high in minutes, but he's averaging the fewest shot attempts per game since his second season, and like. It's one of those things where, like, he's shooting less and less, but, of course, 
he's also thrust himself into national prominence even more. Right. Um, with his comments and the Grizzlies just love, they've been given exposure this year and maybe just the novelty of like, Hey, ESPN wants to cover us. Why don't I give them a juicy quote? And so like yeah. Dylan, Dylan's always been off kilter and hilarious with the things he says and with no self-awareness about many of the things he says, but like, that's something we normally love about NBA players. You right, know, like, right, right. Like what in the world is he talking about? Um, to answer the first part of your question, is there a kernel of truth in what Draymond said? Certainly. Yeah, there is. Um, I do think he's important to the Grizzlies. I don't think he's like, I'm not in the, you can't win with Dylan Brooks camp. Like the Grizzlies have been quite good with Dylan. They've been uh, notably better with him on the court every single year he's been on the Grizzlies, at least for the past four, I think. Um, Like they've been way better when he's on the court. And so I think having that guy who can um, guard the other team's best player and then provide offense if needed sometimes. I mean, usually you hope it's better than this. Also, Draymond, I mean, you didn't say the quotes. He said lots of things that are flatly not true about um, himself particularly. Like, after the game against the, the Grizzlies on Thursday, Draymond's like, yeah, the difference between me and Dylan is I, I only get technicals when I want to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah? You, you think that's true? Also, Dylan correctly pointed out, like, like Draymond accused Dylan of, of Dylan's teammates not enjoying playing with him, um, which, again, I don't know any fact to that. Also, like, Dylan correctly pointed out, I don't get in physical altercations with my teammates, which is, again... <laughs> It's a fair point, Dylan. Uh, score one for Dylan. I mean, I know the Warriors specifically don't like Dylan Brooks. Yeah. Like, actually, Andrew, you were there um, last summer. We were together, and mm-hmm. I, I I talked to Andre Iguodala, and he yep. said similar things to what <laughs> what, what uh, Draymond Green said. Like, Dylan Brooks is holding you back. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's the reason, you know, that the, the Warriors aren't that good. But, I mean, the Grizzlies aren't, you know, like a contender in, in, in the Warriors' people's minds. But, like... For me, most of that goes just back to a distaste that these this team clearly uh, does not like Dylan Brooks. By the way, um, Andre Iguodala has not beaten the Memphis Grizzlies since he was on the Memphis oh, Grizzlies. Wow. He's zero wow. three. He's zero and three in games that <laughs> wow. Iguodala has played. Interesting. Um, Dylan Brooks averages twenty one points in those games <laughs> against Andre Iguodala. In your face, Andre. Uh, also in interesting face, is that uh, yeah. looking at the current standings, Memphis is in third and Golden State is currently in sixth. Who knows yeah. how it'll end up, but that would be fun. Well, uh, the NBA is scripted, so that's yes. yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. what we're going to get. Assuming the Grizzlies do keep Brooks this summer, do you have in your mind like a, a expectation for what his contract number will be? Because I, I just like can't figure out what Dylan Brooks's next contract will look like. I mean, when you see what the... Joe Harris's, Duncan Robinson's, Kelly Oubre's uh, of the world get paid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's like, you know, it's going to be more than that. I believe his extension number was basically they could sign him for like $15 million a year, and like there's no way he's taking that. I mean, yeah. like if he, if he ends the year still basically shooting 37% or whatever, maybe right. that'll really tank his market. But like I just think wings who can play, who can defend – make you know 20 million a year basically yeah. like the Keldon Johnson extension type things and um DeAndre Hunters of the world uh the Bogdan Bogdanoviches it's like Dylan provides a value and if I'm a Grizzlies fan I'd be like thrilled if he somehow played so poorly that he like got himself locked into what his uh extension number would be mm-hmm. like um I just think with you know and the cap keeps going up but like starters and guys who can defend 
you know, wings with some size, which he has, like they make twenty million a year, basically as a yeah. as a starting point. When you see like what offense only sixth men, like your Jordan Pools, when they're getting thirty million a year, or t- Tyler Heroes thirty million a year. I mean, it's a I guess if you pulled a lot of NBA fans and players, like they might value the office of creation of those type players way more than just a, a scrappy, inefficient defender type. But I don't know. I, w- I would kind of guess NBA front offices value those, those somewhat similarly. I don't think Dylan's getting 30 million a year, but like, um, you know, I think anything around 20 million per year is just what a team's going to pay for a guy who can be in like your top seven of your rotation mm-hmm. and, and guard uh, the NBA's best players on a night to night basis. So we mentioned Brandon Clark. He tore his Achilles this week and will miss the rest of the season and likely a big chunk of next. Uh, For those who don't watch Memphis regularly, can you explain why Brandon Clark's loss is so important to this team going forward? Yeah, for me, and this might be a minority opinion, but for me, Brandon Clark is part of the Grizzlies' ceiling, as in their ideal best fit is not necessarily with Steven Adams in there. They've been great with Steven Adams on the court the last couple of years, but you saw it in the postseason last year, when everyone was fully healthy, they voluntarily would use Brandon Clark and Jaron Jackson Jr. as like the, the front court pairing to close games with. The lineup data, whenever Brandon Clark and Jaron Jackson Jr. play together, has always been incredible. They're like a, this perfect pairing where they can both guard on the perimeter. One of the limitations with Steven Adams, like, you know, he can't switch and you basically have to do drop defense and like Brandon Clark and and Jaron Jackson Jr. are so versatile and are so good at guarding on the perimeter that like that front court thing was this like uh, elite key they could go to it was their death lineup of of things that like other teams can't handle this and also just losing Brandon Clark if you do want to change up your strategy like they did in the the first round series against the Timberwolves last year where they said like you know what we're not going to play Steven Adams we're going to try something different and in in that se- in that series Brandon Clark averaged over 16 points per game and over 9 rebounds per game and the Grizzlies probably do not beat the Timberwolves if Brandon Clark is not there, the Timberwolves also probably don't trade for Rudy Gobert if Brandon Clark doesn't <laughs> absolutely wreck them yeah. in the postseason last year on the offensive glass. And so not having that, all of a sudden you've lost like, oh, we have one fewer avenues to victory. Like we now have to have Steven Adams. And now with this news of Steven Adams and his knee, we don't know what's going on. Like, oh, well, now the Grizzlies have lost all their above average rebounders for their position. And they've yeah. also lost one of their only you know guys who is an efficient score. Yeah, he's not a shooter, but like makes 67% of his shots, and he's this vertical threat. You lost one of your only vertical threat guys on the team. So it's like you've lost – I think you've become easier to scheme against because there are fewer things that the Grizzlies can now throw at their opponent. And it's basically – I think most teams are going to say, well, this is what we're going to face. It's going to be Steven Adams or Xavier Tillman. Um, It's two relatively similar in what they do. Um, Big men, they no longer have the option of unlocking this, like, absolutely elite defensive front court that also, by the way, smokes team on on offense because of the perfect pairing. So that's why I think, again, the Brandon Clark loss, you're like, it's a guy plays 19, 20 minutes a game. But for me, it's it's a huge blow. It like if if none of the stuff was, was happening with John Morant, if Steven Adams was totally healthy, I think it's like a big time reduction in, in the chances the Grizzlies could win multiple series in the playoffs. So I wanted to ask you about some of their young guys because last summer they drafted four players: Jake Laravia, David Roddy, Kennedy Chandler, and Vince Williams Jr. Also added rookie Kenneth Lofton Jr. as a two way guy. All these players were Twitter draft darlings, but I'm interested in where Grizzlies fans stand on this rookie class now. How would you rank them in terms of your belief in them being a part of this Grizzlies future? I mean, I can't speak for other Grizzlies fans. Um, 
it's been a it's been a weird uh, adjustment period to basically. I still haven't gotten over it. Kind of that they added so many rookies to the <laughs> yeah. squad this year. Where it's like we won fifty six games last year. We uh, we took the Warriors to six games, and we were ahead in three of the fourth quarters of the games we lost. Like we're on the precipice. Uh, we have this very young team, and we think John ja Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. and Desmond Bain are all going to get better. And like this year specifically, Jaron Jackson Jr. has taken a big leap forward, and Desmond Bain has taken a big leap forward. And the response of the front office to be like, hey, what if we also develop five guys while we're doing this? It's like, oh, that's bold. Um, so like, I like what Roddy has done at times this year. And so, like, could he be part of the Grizzlies dynasty that starts maybe after Dylan Brooks leaves, um, as, as Draymond alludes to? Yeah, maybe. But, like, none of the rookies have done anything. We were like, oh, that guy's a keeper. Mm, or, like, okay. oh, that guy's going to be better than the guy we got rid of. Yeah. You know? Like, um, so it's hard to say. I'm not, like, super fired up, especially now that you've lost two players to injury and John Morant's away from the team, where if, if, you're, if, you're, if you're using – what, 20% of your guaranteed salaries on players who you, you don't think are going to help you in the regular season? And then you lose two yeah. other players. It's now like, what are we doing here? And by the way, and by the way, our two-way spots, which have been this you know, avenue that teams can get help, can get some regular season help. They don't even play their two, two-way guys in, mm -hmm. in Vince Williams and Kenneth Lawton Jr. Those, those guys don't play regular minutes. So it's been a very strange, quizzical, like, I know you guys hit home runs front office constantly in the draft and like, you discover guys through your two-way contracts. Like, you discovered John Conchar. And, like, um, not that long ago, like, Yuta Watanabe was a two-way player. And he's like, these are useful yep. NBA players. So you're, you're good at finding useful NBA players. But also, this dual paths of compete for a title and develop, I think we need to start leaning more into the compete for a title. Um, so, yeah, I'm like, the rookie class, it, it's interesting that they've gone for that. If any of them is that long-winded... Um, monologue i just went on to uh, explain my feelings towards them it's complicated where i'm like they seem i'm not done with any of them where i'm like laravia has shown stuff he doesn't play much anymore i mean kennedy chandler is an undersized athletic point guard it's like yeah. we have that's what our star is why are we he's like two years younger <laughs> or three years younger than john Rand, i think technically but it's like we john Rand's gonna be here for 10 years we think um so yeah i i i have i have very mixed negative feelings about the rookie class it's not their fault I want to tell the rookies it's not their fault. Um, it's where we were as a team and, uh, and my attachment to some of the players we got rid of. Yeah. The thing I know about Keith is Keith is a man of the present. He's not a man of the future. I have a hard time. That's my own fault. Like, I, I didn't see Desmond Bain getting this good. I would have traded him for Bradley Beal two years ago. That's on me. Yeah. Okay. That's on yeah. me. I was wrong there. Hey, that's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Okay. Last question. Mm -hmm. Let's end with something that may or may not be positive. So with many guys out, there's going to be some opportunities from other for other Grizzlies players to get some playing time. Uh, is there a player or two that you think could have like a mini breakout session during this period of time? I mean, the answer's got to be Santi Aldama. I mean, that's the only. Yeah. I, I, earlier, I said there's no silver lining, and I truly feel that way. There's no like, oh, let's let 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 that Roddy and Laravia cook. Um, Santi Aldama has had a pretty nice season. He's developing very, very nicely. Uh, he's shown a lot of promise as far as like a hybrid four slash three. Um, his shooting has been really, really good. He has some like 
fun flair. Uh, he dunks the, the ball backwards a lot. He has a lot of reverse jams, um, yeah. which is just, uh, again, yeah, it's good having the flair. It's fun. You know, yeah, it's yeah. fun. So, like, he is going to be, like, he's going to be featured out of necessity. He's now the third big man, and we only have three guys who are tall uh, on the whole team. And so he's going to play a lot, and he's shown a lot already this season. So the idea of, like, I mean, like, I don't, I wish we didn't have to depend on him. It's kind of yeah. where I'm at because they do. But um, one thing that I think it will be fun, we'll be seeing uh, Santi be given the freedom to play 25, 27, 28 minutes every single night and to see if he keeps uh, um, living up to the moment. Because so far he has. He really has seized the opportunity um, given to him this season, and he's been a, a bright spot for the Grizzlies this year. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. I know I'm looking outside right now. Sun's out. Birds are chirping. It's time to start getting outside. Uh, I know that I like to get outside and play basketball with my kids. And honestly, I need to get into a fitness routine in order to keep up with these guys. And Peloton is there for me. Peloton's varying class links were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout, whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class, or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals. Peloton's classes were made to challenge you. There are a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, or marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you're already excelling in. Peloton's program and instruction push you to be your best. Their expert coaches and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run indoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Well, Keith, thank you so much for answering all of our Grizzlies questions on a tough week. Mm. It is now time to play Andrew versus the Beat Grizz Edition. Now, uh, every week we play Andrew versus the Beat. It's a trivia show where Andrew goes head to head with a beat writer, or in this case, Keith Parrish, host of the Grits and Grinds podcast. Now, Keith, you've played this before. You know how it works. Eight questions all about the Grizz. You're going to pick a number between one and eight. It will correspond to a question. Maybe easy, maybe hard. If you get it right, you'll get at least two points. If you get it wrong, Andrew will have a chance to steal for one. We'll go back and forth until all the questions have been asked and answered. So all I need from you is a number between one and eight. Both five. Question number five. Ja Morant has had 53 career 30-point games, which is a franchise record. In fact, the next closest Grizzly in franchise history only had 25 30-point games. Who is that Grizzly? Wow. I'm going to say Sharif Abdul-Rahim. Sharif Abdul-Rahim. That is incorrect. Andrew, you have a chance to steal. Oh, boy. 
Um, gosh. Zebo? Andrew? That is also incorrect. <laughs> Although, now that uh, uh, Keith said Sharif Abdurrahim, I am wondering <laughs> yeah. whether uh, the stat head uh, filter is yeah. only picking up Memphis Grizzlies and it not Vancouver Grizzlies. I think it should, it should include the Vancouver. It should? Vancouver. Okay. Because the answer was Rudy Gay, who had 25. Mm. And oh, wow. Mike Conley had 24. So, but I am, I'm going to look that up as we're going on. Uh, So I'll get back to you. Uh, Andrew, uh, you have control of the board. Uh, Number one. Oh, question number one, a fun one. Per cleaning the glass, the last time Memphis had an above average half court offense was the 2014-15 season. Wow. 14 players played at least one minute in the playoffs for that Grizzlies team, and we're going to try to name them all. So how this works, Andrew, you're going to give me a name, then Keith will give me a name. We'll go back and forth until one of you stumbles. So these are players who played for the Grizzlies in the 2015 playoffs. Uh, Tony Allen. That is correct. Keith. All right. Uh, Marcus Gasol. That is correct. Andrew. Uh, Zebo. That is correct. Keith. Mike Conley. Great. You've gotten all the easy ones. Keep going, Andrew. I think Jeff Green was on that team. He was, Andrew. Keith. Um, let's go with uh trying to trying to leave some for for Andrew so we can accomplish this feat. <laughs> oh wow. He's taunting you, Andrew. <laughs> No, he, uh, he, he knows is, them all. He's gonna. He's, no, I don't. Like, like honestly, I'm trying to remember. Like, all right, which was the one where so and so got suspended? Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to fall on my face. Um, let's do Costa Kufus. Costa Kufus. That is correct, Andrew. What about Courtney Lee? Courtney Lee, another good one. That is also correct. Back to Keith. Let's do um, Nick Kalathis. Nick Kalathis oh, wow. is correct. Andrew, what do you got? Andrew, there's only uh, six names to go. You've gotten eight okay. of the six, 14. Was uh, John the tackle box lure on this team? Woo! Yes, he was, Andrew. Right. Back to Keith. All right. Um, still follow John Luer on Instagram for some reason. Why? Just I don't know idea. <laughs> uh fourteen fifteen. Mm, that's right. Um Vince Carter. Yes, you got it, Keith. Oh, Back to Andrew. Right. Had to make sure my got my years right. I was like, all right, yeah, all right. Oh my gosh. Vince Carter. Goodness, I can't remember if this guy was on this team. I don't think he was. Uh, Tayshawn Prince, was he on that team? Tayshawn Prince? Andrew, he was not on that team, he which was, means yeah, Keith he's part of the Jeff the Green trade. He's part of the Jeff Green trade. See, that's, what uh, I, that's why I felt so uneasy. Andrew. I knew that he left the team at some yeah. point. Uh, Keith, do you want to show off any other names you just want to throw out there? Uh, Bino Udra. Yeah, correct. Uh, Three more. Beans. Three more. Um, I'm trying to think. Are we still? Uh, One was a guy who uh, 
played in the game just last night on Thursday night. Oh, Jermichael Green. Oh, Jermichael Green. Jermichael oh, Green. That's, that's funny. I've actually erased the Jermichael Green memory of that. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he played a lot the J, then. The J Green, J Green thing going on that season with the yeah, box scores. Yeah, yeah. We had, uh, yeah they, uh, didn't they, re, they reunited on the Nuggets, the J Greens, I believe. Yep. The only yeah. other two names, uh, one, a guy I was kind of hyped for in the draft, Jordan Adams, and then uh, Russ Smith. Yeah. Oh wow! I I would have. I'm glad. I, I'm glad I stopped talking because I would have struck out on uh, trying to remember Russ Smith and Jordan. Russ Adams. Smith. <laughs> wow. All right, Keith, you've got the lead and you have control of the board. Number two. Number two. Five different rookies have gotten NBA minutes for the Grizzlies this season. There are only two other teams in the league this season that have given minutes to five different rookies. Who That's are those sad. teams? And you get one point per correct answer. Wait, how many teams are the other? How many other teams are There's there? There's only two other teams that have played five different rookies this season. Wow. Wow. I my first guess will be the Rockets. That is correct. The Houston Rockets, Darius Days, Trevor Hudgens, Ty Ty Washington Jr., Jabari Smith Jr., and Tari Eason. Did you make up those first two names? Wow. <laughs> Darius Days, Trevor Hudgens. I did not. <laughs> okay. All right. Darius Take your word for it. Um. Oh man. Uh. Let's go with. Let's go with. I don't know. I'll go. Th- I'll say thunder. The thunder. That is incorrect. Andrew, who's the only other team to play oh five different gosh. rookies NBA minutes this season? Five is a lot. Um. Goodness. Indy. I don't know. Indy. Good guess. But it's incorrect. It is the San Antonio Spurs. Oh, Jeremy Sohan, dirt. Malachi Branham, Blake Wesley, Dom Barlow, and Julian Champagny. Oh, boy. All right. All right. That Keith is up count. two to zero. Andrew, you have control of the board. All right. Number three. Question number three. I don't know if this one's easy or hard. Well, actually, I know it's not easy. Okay. Steven Adams okay. currently has an offensive rebound percentage of 19.7%, meaning he grabs nearly 20% of all available offensive rebounds when he is on the court. The last time someone played as many minutes per game as Adams and had an offensive rebound percentage higher than 19% was in the 1997-98 season when this player, who made his only all-star appearance, accomplished that feat. Who is the player? Oh, my gosh. So you know he was an all-star in the 97-98 season. That was the only one time, time he all-star? made it. One-time all-star? One-time all-star. 97-98. Fifth grade. Um, <laughs> yeah. Narrow it down for what grade you were in. That'll be oh helpful. Boy. Charles Oakley? I have no clue. Um, Before I give you the answer. Yeah. I have rerun my analysis of Uh 30 point games in Grizzlies history. Oh, okay. John Morant isn't still number one, 53. Uh Number two, Sharif Abdurrahim with 34, (gasps) which means Keith gets a retroactive two points. I need this this week. So now Keith is up four. They went back to Secaucus and they changed that two to three. (laughs) Wow. And uh, bad news for you, Andrew, Uh, whatever you just said, wrong. That was incorrect. So uh, Keith, you have a chance to steal another point here. Go up to a commanding 5-0 lead i man 
did Antonio Davis or wait, was it Dale Davis? Did one of those guys make an all-star game once? I'm going to go with either Antonio or Dale Davis. <laughs> you know what? I'll give you both of the Davises because <laughs> neither of them is correct. It was actually Jason Williams. Oh, not white chocolate. the not white chocolate. The accidentally shot my limo driver. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a hard. Question. That was a good question. Wow. <laughs> Uh, okay, Keith, you have control of the board and a commanding lead. I'll go with number eight. Boy, Question good. number eight. Jaron Jackson Jr. currently averaging one and a half threes per game and 3.2 blocks. There is only one other player in NBA history to average at least one three-pointer and three blocks per game for an entire season. Who was it? Rafe LaFrance. That is incorrect. Uh, thought I'd Andrew? try to say it confidently. You, you said it so confidently that I started to search for Rafe LaFrance on basketball reference. Yeah. What's, the stat, uh, what's the stat again? Three, uh, three So blocks. for an entire season, and for an entire season, yeah. uh, this player hit at least one three per game mm-hmm. and got three blocks per game. Now, Keith, I am looking it up right now. Rafe LaFrance did do it in Denver, but he was traded that season to Dallas. So his total stats for that season, he did not do it. But wow. a very good guess. Very good guess. Should have specified. Manute Bowl? Manute Bowl. No, it's someone much more recent. It was just Is a couple it, uh, seasons ago. It was Miles Turner. Miles. Oh, wow. Turner. Oh, der. Only other one to do it. All right, Andrew, you got to oh, start making up ground gosh. now. This is not good. Um, number four. Question number four. Ooh, I don't know if this will be the one. Uh, oh. Several Grizzlies players have official nicknames listed on basketballreference.com. <laughs> Boy. Which of the following is not an official nickname for a Grizzly player? I'm going to give okay. you five nicknames. Four of them appear on Basketball Reference. One does not. They okay. are Brandroid, Big Body Roddy, Jitty, Duck, G12. Again, that is Brandroid, Big Body Roddy, Jitty, Duck, G12. Brandroid. I'll say that one. I'll say Brandroid. <laughs> I just can't imagine that's a nickname of anybody. Okay, fine. All right. I guess it wasn't that hard. Uh, yeah, it was Brandroid. That's not real. <laughs> I was like, I've never heard that. Wow. I, I searched for Brandon Clark nicknames, and there was some Reddit thread, and the guy was like, Brandroid. We got to do Brandroid. <laughs> wow. Like, All right. That's good enough for me. Yeah. Uh, okay, Keith, you still have a lead, but uh, Andrew has halved it. Yeah. Two questions number, left. Number six. Question number six. What is Steven Adams' career high in points in a single game? Now, before you answer, you get to pick who wow. answers first. So if you let Andrew answer oh, first, you just have to go higher or lower, or you can pick first, and he goes higher or lower. If either of you get it exactly, though, you get a bonus point. So a little mm. danger in letting Andrew go first. Well, yeah, so then Andrew could... Uh, right now, I'm looking at worst-case scenario, it would be a tie. Uh, yeah, it would be 4-4 going into the final if Andrew got it exactly right. So I guess... get his one point plus a bonus point. Well, I guess, I mean, maybe there could be a bonus point on the next question, too. Ooh, maybe. You never know. I'll play, never I'll play it safe, and I'm going to say... Um, also because Andrew, I mean, with the Thunder connection, maybe that's he true. Remembers. Maybe he was Risky. there in the, in the building. I'm going to, I'm going to guess. I'm going to, I'm going to guess on the exact number. Okay. I'm going to say 25 points. 25 points. Andrew, would you like to go higher or lower? <sighs> I'll say higher. I'll, I'll say higher. Exactly. I'll say Andrew's higher. going higher. Steven Adams, best game of his career. He scored 20. Seven points, no. which is higher than 25. 
And that brings us to our final question. Wow. Andrew now down by one. And if you uh, are, are a loyal listener and you heard uh, when we had Pelicans Week, a question like this came up. If you look at the first and last names of all the players on the Grizzlies <laughs> roster, Andrew, there are only three letters of the alphabet that do not appear in any Grizzlies player's name. Okay. What are those letters? Now, there's three. You could get three points here. So, for instance, okay. uh, uh, just to help you out a little bit, Z, Zaire Williams. Okay, that takes care of yeah. Z. So, it's not Z. But there are three letters in the alphabet that do not appear in any Grizzlies player's name. Wow. One point per correct answer. Andrew. See, they've got like they've got the ZYX guys. That, that's why it's such a great question. Which is a I love when one. teams have a Z guy and an X guy. Um, hmm. Golly, Al. This is this is so hard. Uh, I'm just going through the letters of the alphabet in my head. So you know? hard and so dumb. Just, just thinking of just thinking of letters. Is there an F guy? The Lofton? Yeah, there is. Um, oh boy, Al. Um, I can hear you stalling, Andrew. Is there a G? Is there a G man? Andrew, there is not a G man, which gets you a point. You are now okay. even with Keith. Okay. Two letters remaining. Can you get one of those letters? Now, even if you get one of those letters and you miss the other one, Keith could still tie it up. So this is okay. still anyone's game. Is there a Q? <laughs> I'm trying to think. Is there a Q? Andrew, there is not a Q. That's another point you have pulled ahead of Keith. Now, you could win it all right here if you can give me the final letter that is not in any Grizzlies player's name. One remaining letter. If you get it wrong, Keith will have a chance to steal for one point, tie it up, which would send us into sudden death. Thinking of all those letters, 26 of them. You've narrowed it down pretty well, Andrew. Is there you? Is there you? A you guy? Andrew? There is a you guy. Luke Kennard. Oh, which means Keith has a chance to steal for one, sending the game into overtime. I'm running through them. Still running through them. <laughs> Referring to letters of the alphabet? Yeah, yes, I'm running yes, through letters yes, of the alphabet. Yes, yes, yes. It takes me a while. <laughs> There's a lot of them. At least 26 uh, seconds. This is insane. Um, <laughs> it is insane. It's not insane. Totally valid question. Everyone knows the alphabet. Maybe not everyone. Maybe not. My son, he's only 10 months old, doesn't know it. <laughs> dummy. <laughs> Little dummy. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I'm... I keep thinking of letters, and they keep uh, showing up. Uh. Hey, we, we can edit a lot of this out, so take your time. Oh, okay. All think right. about it. I want no, you to feel confident in your no answer. <laughs> I mean, it's not cheating to write the names out, which I've done, right? Uh, I, I suppose not. There are I, I did not uh, state any rules, so you're free to do whatever you want. All right. Are, are we... Are we missing a a P? Keith? 
We are missing a P, which brings <laughs> us to 5-5 five, five, Sudden Death Question. Oh, no. All wow. right, here we go. This is the final question. This will decide it all. Ja Morant has hit 1,163 career free throws, seventh in Grizzlies franchise history. We are going to name the other nine players in the top 10 for most made free throws in Grizzlies franchise history. Vancouver wow. does count, uh, to clarify. Uh, so we'll start with Keith. Keith, give me a name, someone who hit a lot of free throws. Uh, Mike Conley. That is correct. He was number three. Andrew. Zach Randolph. That is correct. He was number five. Back to Keith. Uh, Rudy Gay. Rudy Gay, number six. Back to Andrew. Pau Gasol. Pau Gasol. Number two, Andrew. Back to Keith. Uh, Mark Gasol. Mark Gasol's number one, 2,701. Andrew. There are four names left. Hmm. Sharif Abdurrahim. Is he on the list? Sharif Abdurrahim. Is he on the list, Andrew? He is on the list at number four, which wow. means number eight, number nine, and number 10 are still out there for Keith. Can he get one of them? OJ Mayo? OJ Mayo. Is he in the top 10 of Grizzlies franchise history for most made free throws? He is not, which means no, no. Andrew wins the week. The other names, Stromile Swift, Bryant, <laughs> Big Country Reeves, oh, and really? Hakeem Warwick. Whoa! Those yeah, are some Hakeem Warwick has more free throws than OJ Mayo? <laughs> Blows my mind. I, I feel confident on this one. I'm looking at the screen. No, I believe you. I believe He's, you. That is 824. Well, Keith, it just feels fitting that we ended Grizzlies Week with another L. Man, <laughs> pick it up that L. <laughs> Go listen to Grits and Grinds. It's a great podcast. I actually listen to it uh, all the time. It's a great show. Keith does a great job. Listen to Fast Break Breakfast as well. Another great NBA show. Listen to Keith on the Daily Ding recap every single Monday with Dave before. It's very good. Uh, I enjoy all of Keith's podcasts, so you should too. Keith. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, Andrew, that was Grizzlies week. Uh, it was a tough one. Um, let's hope that uh, it's better for whoever the next team is going to be. And we still have a lot of teams to choose from. You know what? We, we still haven't gotten the Kings, Andrew. The Kings. This amazing season, the wheel has deprived us of the Kings <laughs> this entire time. Come There's on, wheel. There's 14 teams remaining. Let's spin the wheel and see who we get Next week on the Wheel of Fandom, we will be talking about the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> the Golden State Warriors. Oh, I, I feel like the wheel is primed to crush another team. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it it could kind be of the is. Golden State Warriors. Uh, that'll be great. That'll be fun. I got to see them up close and personal this past week, which was uh, a delight. So I'm excited to talk more Warriors. Oh my gosh, Andrew! Second week in a row, every single game is on national TV. Against the Bucks on Saturday, yeah. against oh. the Suns on Monday, Ooh. at the Los Angeles Clippers on Wednesday yeah. on ESPN. Wow, that's a great slate of games. This will be very exciting. Uh, leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. We'll read it on the show just like these. This one comes from Tina from Down Under in Australia. Good day from Sydney. 
the Saturday Slam and Jam is the perfect way to wrap up the week that was in the NBA. Fun, entertaining, and also thorough. A definite must listen each week. Jared, thanks so much for that review. This next one comes from, let's see. Oh, we've already read that one on the podcast. All right. Okay. <laughs> should read the one this from is- that uh, seventh grader. Give us a one-star <laughs> review, but love the show. <laughs> yeah, this one does come from JJ Money 830 says, exceptional one-star. I'm only a seventh grader, but you guys make my Saturdays a whole lot more fun. My only suggestion is to keep doing what you do to make this world a better place. Thank you. You put one star, but I think you meant five stars. But if you did mean one star, please let me know why. I would love a further explanation of that. Uh, this next one comes from Gorilla Bucketing. Five stars. Saturday Slam and Jam is the one-stop shop for NBA coverage for casuals and NBA heads alike. That said, I have some thoughts. Voters' hmm. focus on impact metrics means the Bucks win exactly zero awards, and that's good news. Giannis isn't MVP because he's surrounded by great players and replaced by good players. Brooke isn't Depoy because he just got... One of the best point-of-attack defenders, Drew, and absolutely the best free safety, Giannis, both helping him and preventing the defense from falling off a cliff when he's resting. Bobby isn't sixth man of the year because he can't have an outstanding on-off differential when he's be- when he's helping carry bench units and is compared to a strong starting lineup. Bud is not coach of the year because a team with this much talent should win 55 games. Horse is an executive of the year because this group has been accumulating has been accumulated over a period of 10 years including several key moves that preceded him even if Crowder is the missing piece that unlocks the championship this team is too good to win any awards because this team because the best team is no longer the focal point of the awards the marginal impact of each position is isolated and evaluated and it's tough to see this team sinking if one of the pieces is removed hey shouts. is, it, is, it, is that a that's a bucks fan this seems to be a Bucks fan. I'd okay. be shocked. I'd be shocked if they're like, yeah, and I'm a Raptors fan, you know? <laughs> it's like, well, if this isn't a Bucks fan. They're like really into the Bucks, sort of. Yeah, we've got some we've got some big issues if this is not a Bucks fan. Yeah. Shout out to the Bucks. They don't get enough coverage. And uh yeah. I, I feel you. I feel you on that. Uh last one comes from De Devrazo. Uh, five stars. Andrew and Alex, this might seem dramatic, but your show is something I really look forward to every week during a very difficult time in my life. Every time I hear the music and the signature, Andrew, what a week it was. It puts a smile on my face. Andrew versus the beat is the best segment in sports podcasting. Thank you for your awesome work. Thanks so much for that review. And thanks so much for listening to the Saturday Slam and Jam. We will be back next week. So enjoy all of the basketball this week, man, all the basketball has been so good. Like, seriously, take time to watch because the league is in such a good place. So please go watch basketball, and we'll talk to you guys again next week.